Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. It is a game day in Jacksonville, Florida. Gotta love it. I love it. I like good morning football, and I haven't watched it, to be honest with you, as much as I used to watch it. Yep. But it's pretty cool to see them talking Jags in Miami for a lot of time today. You know, and I think that's a lot of fun. We don't get that around here a lot. But, you know, you get it on the primetime games, you get it in postseason play when the Jaguars made that run. They were a very popular national team at that time with all the playmakers they had with Ramsey and Telvin Smith. They were on that show all the time. Miles Jack was on the show. Marone was on it. Calais Campbell was on it. Jan was on it. Uh, Fournette was on it. You know, all those players. But... Mm. This is kind of the one chance for this team. And they don't really have a national brand from a, a player perspective outside of Gardner Minshew. I mean, Minshew is in everything that you see. All the promotions, uh, Minshew versus uh, Fitzmagic, uh, Minshew Magic, Fitzmagic, beard, mustache, and a lot of fun things. So it's a cool day in Jacksonville. I love the primetime games. It's going to be a beautiful night. And uh, Teal on Teal. Teal out here in the city. You know what else? It's week three, and this is a fun team right now. It's not week 11, and the season's over. And that can sometimes happen, let's be honest, uh, with Jacksonville. So what do we get tonight? Is this a team that's going to continue to kind of show us what they have the first two weeks, surprise people around the country, show that they're a fun football team, win or lose, it's entertaining? Or do we get the thud back to reality and, uh-oh, this is what the Jags have always been. I mean, that's what happens, right? I mean, you get a nationally televised game. You get Thursday night. You get people excited a little bit. And in the past, the Jags have failed miserably in these kind of op- opportunities, you know, to keep yeah. the momentum going. I mean, let's just be honest. They have. Uh, is this a new team? Is this a new era, if you will, with this group of players that can keep some momentum going. It does not mean they're going to win every game. It does not mean they're always going to look good. But on a night like tonight, you'd like them to look good. You know, you'd like them to play well because this is a team they can beat. This is a game that if you want to stay ahead of the schedule a little bit and still keep this fun rolling, this is a game you almost need to win. Listen, this is a very important game for a lot of reasons. Number one, beard versus stash. Loser should shave their facial hair. Well, let's go ahead and make that happen hurt right the brand, now. Man. Let's go ahead. What do you mean hurt the brand? If Gardner Minshew wins, we'll see it, Fitzpatrick. Let's see what that chin looks like. It's been a long time. <laughs> so I like that. Number two, it's big because this is the first game where you're supposed to win it, right? You're the home favorite right now. And for the first two games that nobody counted you in, or maybe Brent counted you against the Colts game a little bit, but for the most part, no one was believing you guys, and you stepped up to the challenge twice. How do you respond now in a game that you're supposed to win? And I get what you're saying. History has shown us in these games the Jaguars do not do well. History has also shown us, though, when you go to Tennessee, you get you know you get curb stomped. And guess what? That didn't happen. History has also shown us that when you go behind, you know, big time in the first quarter, the Colts, you can't come back. Well, they show us they can come back. So to me, I don't want to use history as the indicator for this Jaguars team right now because everything that we've seen goes against the history that we know, right? Like We're so predispositioned. We're so conditioned to think, oh, man, all right, they gave up a long touchdown pass or whatever it is. Here we go again. Oh, what's this? They have a quarterback who can bring them back and score points himself. We're not used to this Jacksonville Jaguars team right now, and we're not conditioned to how they operate. With that being said, though, there still is a lot on the line, right? Because now here comes the next test, a very important matchup on primetime, your only, pri- your only primetime game of the entire season unless you get start getting some flex 
opportunities later on in the season. But right now, your only primetime game. Obviously, Minshew is the brand. Can Josh Allen kind of add to that now a little bit and be kind of that household name with what he can accomplish? Can't wait to find and out. Unfortunately for this football team, one of their emerging stars is out. DJ Chark will not play in this game. The Jaguars being extra cautious. Uh, the arrow was up for DJ to play, but it's a short week, and this is uh, he's a victim of the short week. If this game was on Sunday, I bet he'd be able to play. Uh, but Thursday, they're being cautious with him, and, and that's what you do. I mean, it's a long season, and quite frankly, they have depth at the wide receiver position. They feel good about their guys, and I would assume now we will see D.D. Westbrook for the first time this year. That's a pretty good guy coming off the bench, coming off that, that uh, inactive roster to be the guy or help be the guy tonight against the Miami Dolphins. But would have loved to see D.J. Chark against this Miami secondary, especially with Byron Jones out. Uh, would have been really fun to watch him play under the bright lights. It's a chest and back injury, and um, we monitor it, but uh, I would suspect he'll be back and ready to go uh, by next week. We'll talk about the impact of DJ Chark, because keep in mind, I don't want to make take this lightly just because the Jaguars have been spreading the ball around and a lot of things have been going right. You take two players now out of the continuity of an offense that's looked pretty good in two weeks. That's DJ Chark and Brandon Linder. That's reality. What does that do to your team? You also take out... Without question, Gardner Minshew's favorite target. We saw it last year, especially in the first few games when Minshew came off the bench for Nick Foles. I think we're seeing it again this year. The rapport between Minshew and Chark is one of the best I've seen quarterback to receiver here in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't even been a huge sample of it, mm-hmm. but you can tell. They click. They like each other. They're, they they like catching passes from Minshew. Minshew likes throwing to 17. So, what happens when you lose that dynamic? Uh, he is, if the question we raised earlier this week, do the Jags need a go-to guy? Do they have a go-to guy? Well, quite frankly, if they did, and if they need one, he would be it. So hmm. maybe in this instance, because they're spreading it around, they have a lot of different weapons. You don't feel as bad because DJ Chark only caught three passes last week. But keep in mind, a couple of huge plays on those catches. Deep down the field for a 45-yarder, he goes up. That's the play he got hurt on, actually. And the other one where he took a big hit was on third and I think like 9 or 10 or 11, and he picks up the yardage to get the first down earlier in the game when he took a big whack on the helmet. So those are two big plays in that game to later on get points. So, so I think it's a big deal losing DJ Chark. So with Brandon Linder, yeah, obviously with Brandon Linder, I mean, he's kind of the the pillar of that offensive line. He's the captain. Tyler Shatley came in and, for lack of a better word, did a dang good job. Okay, so I'm not worried about the offensive line too much. With DJ Chark, yes, I think he is the go-to target. He's obviously the one receiver for a reason, had that Pro Bowl year last year. But also keep in mind, though, Indianapolis, three receptions, 25 yards. Pretty quiet day. He had that touchdown for only three receptions, um, and he had three targets off that. Tennessee, only four targets, four receptions for 84 yards, okay? So once again, like, this is the beauty of the Gruden offense, and this is why I'm not so worried about DJ Chark being gone. Last year, I would be hitting the panic button all day, right? This year, you have guys like Tyler Eifert. You have guys we haven't even really seen. He had a touchdown in the last game, but Chris Thompson, where if you need that go-to guy, if you need that quarterback-friendly guy and DJ Chark's gone now, you have Eifert in the middle. You, you can have Chris Thompson on some kind of swing route, some kind of wheel route. So with that being said, I think you have plenty of pieces. And keep in mind, LaVisca Chenault as well. So you have plenty of pieces, I think, that are quarterback-friendly, if you will, where if it hits the fan, Gardner Minshew can go to that guy and he'll be okay. So I'm not actually too worried right now about DJ Chark being out. 
Yeah, it's interesting. And again, D.D. Westbrook will get a chance. It looks like I would assume he will get a chance and we'll see what happens uh, with the Jaguars offense. But we've got a big game here in Jacksonville. Uh, you just mentioned something. I'm going to get right to him. I'm going to wait. The game plan tonight for the Jacksonville Jaguars has to be to get out in front. We haven't seen this team out in front. And if you get out in front, then I think you have the ability to maybe have that defense make a play or two. You put a little pressure on Miami because they're already 0-2. They could get a little tighter, yeah. right? Uh, you put a little pressure potentially on Brian Flores if, if Fitzpatrick struggles out of the gate, say, hey, I got a guy that was the fifth overall pick in the draft right here on the sideline. Maybe we should go there, which I almost don't want to see because sometimes you get a, a lot of momentum and you also get a little shot in the arm. With a guy coming off the bench like that, sure. a la Minshew last year, mm-hmm. you know, and he did pretty well against the Chiefs. Now, he didn't win the game, but he did pretty well. So, um, and, and you don't prepare for that as much. I mean, they might say they prepare a little bit for Tua, and this offense is more designed for Tua in Miami. Mm-hmm. But still, they're preparing for Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's no sign that Tua will play in this game. Uh, if they spend a little time on him, maybe, but they didn't spend 80% of the week on him. That's for darn sure. Mm-hmm. Uh I just think they need to get off to a fast start. So much so, I said it last week when they got off to another slow start, that if you win the coin toss, I, w- I know most teams defer. I get it. And it actually worked out pretty well for the Jags to defer because they had that great drive coming out of the locker room. Um, and if they didn't have the squib kick problem, they would have actually had p- points on both possessions, one going into the half, one coming out, which is what you're always looking for. But I think I might take the football. My strength is my offense. Let's go get a lead. Let's put our defense in a better position. You know, mm-hmm. and so I wouldn't mind winning that coin toss and getting the football if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, or maybe Miami defers and you get the football anyway, and you get a yeah. chance to go on top because that's one thing that's been really bad about this team so far is that the first ten minutes of the game have been absolutely ugly sure. for the Jags. But are you worried about though? So say you win the coin toss and you choose. Uh, to get the ball first. Aren't you kind of worried, though, like, you know, this is kind of like the Patriots MO where you get the ball towards the end of the half to get the ball coming back out again? Like, that can make a difference. You know it what I'm does, saying? Like, but do you want to wait that long? That. I mean, how much, how much can you play with fire that, hey, we're going to get down, we're going to get down? just puts a lot of pressure on your offense to go keep up, keep up, keep up. And I want to see this defense. It's really more for my defense, I think, Austin. This mm-hmm. is what I'm thinking. And, and maybe it's not the right play, but this is what I'm thinking is, hey, if I go get a even a 3 nothing lead, a 7 nothing lead, I kind of set the tone. Well, then I kind of force Miami to say, okay, let's see if you – we're going to score today, sure. right? Let's see if you can keep, keep the up. Well, then they put – maybe they make a mistake. Maybe your defense gets to the quarterback. Maybe your defense goes makes a play. It puts your defense in a different position instead yeah. of what has totally been a reeling first quarter and sometimes half the first couple of games. I mean, their defense has just been backpedaling the whole time. And then as soon as Mitchell goes out there, it's like, okay, we better go score. I mean, it's like a flag football game or a two-hand touch game. We better score. You can't waste the possession. Mm -hmm. And that's really the pressure that's been put on their offense. I almost would like to see that script flipped a little bit and maybe have the defense playing with a lead. Now, what you could say to me easily is like, hey, Brent, well, why don't they go get a stop on the first position? I understand that. That would be nice. But if you're banking on that, you might be out of your mind. See, no, for sure. <laughs> I'm going to say, though, listen, I mean, it doesn't matter if you get the ball first and you score. When the Dolphins come out, they have their scripted plays. True. So it doesn't matter if they run them the very first series of the game or if they run them after the series that you score. Like, what they're going to run in that script is what they're going to run. Like, they're, they're not going to change what they're going to do the first, you know, 10, 15 plays just because the Jaguars score. True. So at the end of the day, I mean, the defense you have is a defense you have. So it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really make a difference. So I would probably actually elect to kick off first, play defense. Hopefully you stop them or you hold them to a field goal and then hopefully get the ball back towards the end of the half. Then, then you Obviously, you received the ball in the second half as well. It's a lot of hoping. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a lot of hoping with anything, man. (laughs)
<laughs> Welcome to the game of football. Very true. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we talk all about this football game. It's a game day on a Thursday in Jacksonville, Florida. We're fired up for it. Coverage here on ESPN 690 until 6 o'clock. And then we hand right off the TV at 6.30 all the way until 8 is a 90-minute pregame show. We'll have that for you on the TV side. And then at 8.20, it's kickoff on Fox 30. Been a lot of people asking me, where do you find the game? Where do you find the game? On Fox 30 right here in town. You can keep it locked on TV from 6 o'clock all the way until after our postgame show, basically through midnight tonight on Fox 30. We've got a lot of TV coverage, but we've also got a lot of radio coverage and on social media, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Make sure you hang with us. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. One of the questions I have about this game, if the Jaguars win, does it change how you view the season if they're 2-1 and one after three games? And how good could this season be? Do we start to ask that question at all if they get a win? It's a big game here in Jacksonville tonight. Dolphins and Jags on Fox 30. And we're talking all about it right here on ESPN 690. Brett Martineau. Never heard of what happened in Iowa yesterday, and I don't even know how to pronounce the name of it. Derecho. Austin Lane. Iowa State Cyclones. You should call them the Derechos. You can shorten it up, call them the Chos. Why not, man? I'm into it. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. He just knew the people that he wanted in the building that, that he wanted, and he had his own vision. You know what I mean? And what he decided to go with was what he decided to go with, and, you know, I... I truly feel like he's got the right plan. You know, he's he's really trying to build this team um, atmosphere where as long as we got each other and we can, you know what I mean, lock arms and, and stick together through the highs and lows. You guys have seen it. Like, we've gotten down early against the Colts. They came down, punched us in the mouth 7-0, and then we fought back and won that game. That is Miles Jack, Jaguars linebacker, playing at an extremely high level. I'm uh, excited to watch Miles Jack play. On the defensive side of the football, let's see what the Jaguars can do to slow down the Miami Dolphins. Is it a big play night for the defense? You know, there's part of me because we have scar tissue here in Jacksonville. Where I'm like, oh, this game's going to be 13 to 6. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. We've talked for two weeks about this offense and how it looks good. And, and all of a sudden, and now the defense can't stop anybody. And you know what? We're okay with that in a strange way because it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's up and down. It looks different. And yet tonight I'm like, do we morph back to, the, you know, is, the slipper doesn't fit anymore. Yeah. We turn into a pumpkin. Clock striking midnight. I mean, is it all, is it kind of back to reality? And again, if you could pick a score, I'd much rather it be 31-28 than 13-10. It's been entertaining. So uh, this uh, this Jaguars offense to me, it's almost more important. This is going to be a weird way to say this now. Mm-hmm. But it's almost more important, in my opinion, for the Jags offense to keep rolling than the defense to get fixed. Really? I mean, I would take a little bit of both, you know, to tell you the yeah. truth. But, but no, I understand. I mean, I think from the terms of a primetime game, you want to see an offensive scoring um, game as opposed to a defensive stronghold here. So I agree with you. Well, and I want to know what they are. I want to yeah. know what their identity is. Mm-hmm. And so if their offense continues to go, mm-hmm. well, then that's their identity. The identity of this football team is a team that can look out. They can score. Mm-hmm. you got a game plan for them. Watch out. Gardner Minshew's hot. Right. Uh, They're using all these Jay Gruden. uh, This wasn't just two games. This is who he is. Uh, James Robinson. This guy's real deal. His offensive line is as good as as they think it is. Mm -hmm. So if that is the case, then I now have, okay, this is an identity of a team that's going to score some points, man. That is an identity. This franchise, you could 
it just certainly hasn't had in two decades. Um, you'd have to go way back to some of the explosive offenses in the late 90s to figure to, to put it that way. Now, I understand what comes with that is, okay, well, you're also your identity is your defense and very good. and sure. can't stop anybody. I get it. In a perfect world, you'd want a little bit of both. But I'm just saying if after three weeks I know the identity of this football team is 14 out of 16 games this year, this, that opposing defense is going to have a hard time stopping this offense. Sure. Like, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll take, hopefully, some gradual growth and get better from the defense yeah. to offset it down the road. See, the one issue that I have with that, though, is yes, I think the identity right now, obviously, is this high-powered offense without a doubt. But I don't care if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care if you're the Baltimore Ravens. There's a couple games every single year where, for whatever reason, the offense doesn't fire on all cylinders. And you need your defense to come bail you out a little bit. You need your defense to make a big play. You need your defense to try to create a turnover. Whatever the reason may be, the offense can be stagnant for a couple weeks per season. The question still remains, if the Jaguars' offense, and I'm not going to say it's going to happen tonight because it shouldn't happen tonight, but eventually it might look a little stagnant. Can the defense have their back, and can they will themselves to win a game? From what I've seen on the defense so far, probably not. And that's why I want to see the defense improve just so when it happens, because it will happen, it happens every single offense at least once, you know, every NFL season, if not more times, can the defense have their back? Yeah, and, you know, you got the whole the greatest saying is complimentary football and you know that's what you want to be able to do and i get that if you're rocking and rolling you're going to have that most likely right the baltimore's have that kansas city actually is starting to get that mm-hmm. uh some of the good teams really have it over the years um the jacksonville jaguars actually had it in 17 they had an offense that was doing enough they were more complimentary to the outstanding defense that they had mm-hmm. uh, so if you can get it that'd be great i think right now the gap like if you had a had a meter right you'd be Super high up uh, with the offense, obviously fourth in the NFL. Yeah, you'd be really down low. I don't know if they're the worst defense in the NFL right now, but they'd be they're way down there. Yeah, and so that gap and what you'd like to see is the offense stay somewhere between four, five, six. I mean, not gonna, I don't know if they're going to be a top four offense uh, scoring wise, but mm-hmm. let's just say they're somewhere in that four, five, six, seven, eight range. That'd be nice. And then that defense slides from maybe it's twenty eighth, but up to like eighteen or nineteen. Mm-hmm. Just close the gap between the two would be a really nice win. But for this one night, if you're asking me which one I'd pick, I would say, hey, defense might give up 450 yards tonight, but that offense is going to score 35. I'll take, I'll sign up for the 35. Sure. Yeah. Why not, man? It's fun to watch. I, I agree with you here. Speaking of offense, a little member of the syndicate here has a question about fantasy football. Oh, you ready for, for this tonight's one? game? For tonight's game. Yep. Uh, from Keaton Tucker. I need your help with fantasy football decisions. With Chark out, who should I start tonight, Visca or Cole? I am leaning towards Visca, but who do you think balls out more tonight? That's a great question, right? Yep. Visca Bingo is back. It's hot. Uh, by so the way, we, the we're nation. stealing a little Visca Bingo, your idea for mm-hmm. TV tonight for Countdown to Kickoff. Thanks I don't care. For, uh, Dude, it's like I told you, I really don't care about all these ideas, man. I just want people to use them and... Be cool with it. It's well, cool. Yeah, I don't I mean, care. We're a little selfish in our business sometimes, yeah. so I appreciate you sharing. I mean, if you uh, make a million bucks out of it, good for you, man. Uh, I don't uh, care. Well, I don't think we're going to do that. Okay. Uh, might, yet. Not yet. Yeah, yet. We're lucky to make 60 seconds on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but there was a little discrepancy. Like, we thought that he ran out of the Wildcat last mm-hmm. week. We know he did in week one. Mm-hmm. But the fellas downstairs are saying they can't find it on the play sheet. They di- He didn't. So he didn't run out of Wildcat last week? 
I could have swore he was in the backfield and got the. I guess all right. Maybe he didn't wildcat. I have to double right. check that because we thought that we'll box was. Uh, we we thought that gave us bingo. Absolutely. But maybe we really didn't have bingo. <sighs> Game still open then. Well, yeah. For another week. It is. Yep. Um, okay. Here's the deal with Lavisca Chanel. Mm-hmm. Getting a lot of love by the way, way on some of the national shows, but uh, as he should. He's he is this an overstatement? LaVisca Chenault is the most interesting offensive player in Jags history. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's not an overstatement. I mean, he might no. be that. Well, who, who else would it be? Well, I mean, I, it just depends. Like, I'm thinking from a utilization standpoint. Sure. I did not say he's the best. I just said yeah. he's the most interesting. And like, I even think to a degree, like Maurice Jones-Drew could make the claim that he was most interesting, right? His build, uh, yeah. the way his style. He has a punt returner. Uh, mm-hmm. and kick returner, and he could do all those things. You could line him up outside, you know, as a receiver. You do a lot of things with Mojo. Now, yeah. I don't think they ever ran the Wildcat. I don't think he threw the ball um, at all. But I, I, I don't think it's an overstatement. I think he's right up there, with, one, and he's two games into his career. So mm-hmm. let's see a little more. But that's how fascinating this guy is. Now, that being said, is he a good fantasy play? Mm-hmm. Because he was so fun to watch last week. And then you look at his numbers, and he was 35 yards rushing and 37 yards receiving, no touchdown. That ain't helping you in fantasy, mm-hmm. right? No. So is he not a good fantasy play, as exciting as he is? Mm. I mean, are we going to answer the question, are you taking taking LaVisca Chenault or Keelan Cole here? Uh, I would probably lean toward the excitement level, but I think the smart play is Cole, to be honest. Cole becomes a number one wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars tonight. Yeah. If, I mean, that's just the way it has been. The first, He's already been the number one wide receiver in terms of catches. Mm-hmm. And so he becomes the confident guy, mm-hmm. the go-to guy, the mm-hmm. guy that Minshew might lean on to bail him out. Now, I think he has confidence in all of them. But I would say Keelan Cole's a better play in fantasy football tonight. You're going Keelan Cole, the one receiver. And I think... I'm going to disagree. It's close. It's, I think either one's going to be money, right? Because the secondary right now, um, they're in the dumpster. But I think if you go back and watch that Bills game, and you watch how they had Noah Ingabinagani on Stefan Diggs the entire day right. for, for whatever reason. And, I, and listen, you have Xavier Howard, who's been a former Pro Bowler. But for whatever reason, when uh, Byron Jones got hurt, the rookie was on Diggs. Now, whether that's a game plan from, you know, Flores, whatever the reason may be, you had the rookie on the one receiver. How did that turn out for you? Horrible. Stephon Diggs had a big day. Josh Allen had a big day. And I think the rookie hurt his confidence a little bit. So with that being said, I can see Xavier Howard covering Cole all night. Now, what does that say? Is Xavier Howard like he used to be as a pro bowler? Not right now. I mean, everyone's getting torched um, in the secondary. But I think of all the guys that I, I could name, you know, Byron Jones is out, obviously, who's probably the best corner. Um, you have the rookie, Noah Ingabinagani, one more time for everybody back home, uh, Xavier Howard, and then you have, like, you know, Bob McCain, stuff like that. I think Xavier Howard's the best choice in that secondary, and I think you put him on Keelan Cole. Now, Keelan Cole can definitely beat him for 10 targets, a couple touchdowns here, don't get me wrong. But I think if you look at LaVisca Chenault, where he lines up, especially in the slot, and keep in mind right now, the Dolphins, in terms of slot coverage, probably the worst in the entire NFL. They're horrible. And I think if you put him in the slot with his size, his strength, his stature, and obviously his intriguingness of it's primetime football, baby. Uh, Gruden wants to flex a little muscle. Let's see some interesting packages. Let's get Chanel the ball a little bit. I actually take LaVisca Chanel a little more hmm. than I do Keelan Cole. Either way, you can go wrong. Don't get, me tw- don't get it twisted. But I, I like Chanel just a little more. 
Uh, interesting. Uh, the you should get a special um, for a receiver throwing a passing touchdown should be like bonus points in fantasy football. Oh, who are you telling? If that were to happen tonight, twenty points. I mean, that would be something special. Twenty points. That's interesting. You say Lavisca Chenault. We just had, I think, Tony on on social media said uh, Lavisca as well. Again, I think he is the emotional attachment right now. And I even said it. I said, "All right, you asked me that quick." I said, "Oh yeah, I'm Lavisca all day." It'll be really interesting. We look at the box score today and who would do better, Keelan Cole or Lavisca Chenault. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be Keelan Cole. I'm I'm a little different uh, in, well, in that respect. Yeah, and the way I look at it is like this: Who's the Jaguars' leading receiver right now? Keelan Cole this year. Yeah, so he's the one receiver, regardless of Chark was playing. I mean, like he's like the leading receiver. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they, he's actually got better points, I think, than Chark. So they target hit. They targeted him the most. I don't know what Flores is going to come out. What kind of defense he's going to run? But playing in New England. And watching that Bills game, yeah. ran a lot of cover one. Okay, that means you have one safety for help. I think you help out on Cole a lot more than you help out anywhere else. So I think that the key right now for Flores and the secondary being so porous is you got to stop the number one threat. To me, that's Keelan Cole. To me, that's going to leave LaVisca Schnault wide open in the slot if, he's choo- if he chooses to be there on the outside as a two receiver. Needless to say, I think the focus goes a little more towards Keelan Cole than it does to LaVisca Schnault. Yeah, listen, uh, how much on a defense, okay, if you were in a, the Miami defensive meeting room, how much in general, and, and we just said it specific to tonight's game, but how much do you think after a couple of games and the way Jay Gruden has used Chenault, is there a tension in the meeting rooms and maybe the huddle and everything else on defense to say, identify that guy, right? Mm-hmm. So to your point, DJ Chark, say he was healthy, he could be the number one guy. Keelan Cole could be a number one guy. Chris Conley has a pretty good resume. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tyler Reifert has a pretty good resume. James Robinson is running the football. But take all those guys out. Keep Minshew in the – whatever you want to do. There's going to be several things you want to do defensively. But how much of it is identify where number 10 is? Would it, would it be that much of a conversation? Not as much as uh, I mean, not as much as Chark is, right? But I mean, as far as identifying, like, yeah, you have to know where he is, right? Because he, he he's the gadget guy, right? He's he's the Debo Samuel, if you will. So you have to know where he is on the field. But there's only so much you can do to defend him, right? If you line him up in the slot, you're not going to put the rookie out there, and you're not going to put Howard out there. So your options are limited. So with that being said, sure, you, you can go and identify, you know, the the, the gadget guy if you want. But how are you going to stop him? So th- that's why I just think that they're going to focus on Cole. Now, keep in mind, too, we, we still talking about Chris Conley, Tyler Reifert. Um, there's a lot of possibilities still yeah, in terms yeah. of this. So it's well, like, that's why I want to ask yeah. you. Like, but still, that's the guy they're moving around. That's the guy right? they're moving around. I think if you want to go with Cole, it would make sense just because he'll probably be on the, the field the most. I mean, I think we know that. I think he's earned his reps, right? So um, as far as the targets, things like that, like he's going to be on the field the whole time. Chenault, can you say the same about you know, it's, it's kind of going to come in a little bit. Um, do you run double tight, like things like that? So, listen, I think the boomer bus play is going to be Chenault. I think the safer play is going to be Keelan Cole. Yeah, that's, there a, you that's go. a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good way. So to put we it. all win. Way to sit on the fence. Hope your butt doesn't. Hey, hurt. I said take Lavisca Chenault. Jeez. I took Lavisca Chenault, you so did. don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, one more thing about Lavisca because I think he's just such a. Uh, again, I, I said this just a few minutes ago. If you're just jumping in, he might be the most 
interesting offensive player this franchise has ever had. They've been playing football for a quarter of a century. Mm -hmm. And here he is two games into his career. By the way, we kind of indicated and said this and talked about this all offseason. When they drafted him, this was my curiosity. It was maybe the peak level of my interest coming Mm -hmm. into the year is how are they going to use LaVisca Chenault? And and I saw that run again uh, when he ran ran over Vaccaro on the Titans. Uh, It was like a 14-yard gain. I mean, he just obliterated him at the end of that play. (laughs) I mean, he couldn't wait to do it, and then he was flexing after. You know, you could. This guy gets going with that stuff. You know, I mean, it's like you guys fighting in a cage. It's like you you get riled up with that. Like he likes that stuff. It's just so odd and 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 unique from a receiving position. And and a lot of those guys get hit. Like DJ Chark gets hit a couple times. Like, oh, I hope he's okay. This guy's like, I hope the other guy's You're not okay. Worried about, <laughs> You're not worried about it, for sure. Where do you think, if you were Jay Gruden, and I understand like there's a part of it you want to keep moving around and you run, you, you're never predictable and all that stuff, and he yeah. makes you unpredictable. Maybe that's it. Maybe just I stumbled on it. Maybe that's the thing about this offense that has been so predictable for so long. You got a couple of guys in there that make this offense unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Chenault and Minshew, I would put in that category. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody said... uh I think it was Josh, uh, Josh Allen. We'll have an interview with Josh Allen, and I think he said it. He's like, you just never know what's going to happen mm-hmm. with Minshew back there. Is he going to take off and run? Is he going to wiggle around a little bit? Is he going to throw and find the receiver? Beautiful touch pass to Eifert or Thompson. You just don't know. Well, they also have that with Chenault, which makes them unpredictable. So I understand there's a part of it where you want to move around. And you don't want to get stuck in one spot because that gives you the unpredictable nature of your offense. If you were Minshew in that huddle, or if you were Marone and talking to Jay Gruden, and you say, hey, can we use him a little bit more here? Mm-hmm. Can we do that again? Mm-hmm. Like, where would it be? So, like, to me, I would eliminate the Wildcat. See, the Wildcat is, ironically, the Dolphins kind of brought the Wildcat in phase, mm-hmm. right, years ago. And I just, I like it as a wrinkle because this guy's fun as a receiver doing it. Yeah. Um. And and I I understand his style. I just don't think it's overly effective very often. I really don't. Yeah. 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 And maybe it is more than I think because it's not going to be like this big sexy play. It's usually not going to go for forty two. Mm-hmm. You're not tricking anybody. You know what you're doing nine times out of ten. Um. But you know if you need two or three yards and you need to move the pile a little bit, it'd probably be a positive play. So I get it. I just don't think you're fooling anyone. So to me, I kind of throw out the wildcat. It, that's that doesn't get me all fired up. Yeah. But we've seen that time to change your your channel, get something new out there. A little bit. So where do you want him? Ah. Where do you want to see him? What do you want him to see either do that he hasn't done or more of that you've already seen him do? This is a great question, Brent. And with all due respect to my man Shanahan there in San Francisco, you know, uh, offensive genius, if you will, I got to go. And what time is right now? 341. So I went 41 minutes without talking about the Arizona Cardinals. Okay. Where would I put LaVisca Chenault? This is a new record, by the way, on this show. Sure. 40-something minutes without talking about but Kyler it's, Murray. Don't worry. It's, it's, I'm not talking about Kyler Murray, per se. I'm talking about this Arizona Cardinal offense. It's oh, all going to make sense. guy. It's all going to make sense. In, yeah, it's all going to make sense in a minute. Right? So if you watch that offense from the past couple games, if you watch Shanahan's offense last year, where they were so dynamic in the run game, but also out of the backfield catching receptions, it was because they used, like, these wing T kind of looks. Like, you had, you know, Mostert at halfback, but then you had, like, Tevin Coleman at fullback. Right? So if you want to ask me... Where I'd put LaVisca Chenault, well, you use a fullback already, right? I would put LaVisca Chenault, and I would put James uh, Robinson, or I'd put uh, Chris Thompson. I would put him, like, in this wing T formation, and I would let LaVisca Chenault run routes out of the backfield. I like it. Either you can hand the ball off to him, 
Or you get them involved in the passing game. But the, the point is, is that you get them in space, you get them running out of the back. So you're not saying traditional like eye formation with no, the No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying what uh, Shanahan ran last year in San Francisco, what Kingsbury's running this year. Actually, with his wide receivers, like I think Hopkins is doing this a little bit, where they put him in the backfield. And they don't, I mean, they haven't handed the ball off, obviously, to Hopkins, but they run it like, like those wheel formations where, you know, they're, they're at halfback, and then they run that route out. I like it. Uh, you know, I like when they have them in the backfield area, whether that is in motion or the crazy thing they did on the Keelan Cole touchdown last week where he looked like he was running to go get water on the bench, quite frankly, <laughs> by the end of the, the when the play was snapped. I sure. mean, he really did. Yeah, it looked yeah. like this broken play. Like, is, is everybody okay? Yeah, yeah. play with 11? Or what? <laughs> uh, so, like, I like that stuff just because we haven't seen that stuff around here, really. I mean, everybody else is like, well, people do that all the time. Well, not around here, you don't. Yeah. You haven't. And so that's what I – that gets me excited to see this offense, too, and what they're going to do next. And one other thing about that, could we see a new wrinkle tonight? And I think the answer to that is yes. Keep in mind, this was not – we saw in training camp, we saw him come out of the backfield a little bit, right? There were practices where he'd be in the backfield. But – so that didn't surprise us. But they also said uh, some of those things LaVisca Chenault did in week one against the Colts were just put in that week. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't like, hey, yeah, I've been working on this for five weeks. Couldn't wait to see it come out in a game. No, it was just like two days of installation in a practice. So you know they're mixing it up every week based on the game plan and based on their defense and based on the opponent. And so we could see more wrinkles. You can't reinvent football. But around here, it will look a lot different than what we've seen because this guy is so unique from a skill set standpoint. And Gruden's willing to go to that well on a weekly basis. So... Watch number 10 tonight, I guess, is the moral of the story. I think he's fascinating. Watch number 10, man. Like, I'm telling you right now, if I see some kind of crazy veer formation, wishbone, or a T formation, I'm going to I'm gonna run the street and start celebrating, right? <laughs> I, I'm going to start leading the sunshine and rainbows because that would be pretty cool to see. I thought you were like, I want him in the eye and just give it, what, little, I mean, give it a to little, the up, little, man. A little <laughs> pullback dive. I mean, you, you can do that, too. And, let's be honest. The guy can block. So I'm not worried about his liability and blocking, even if he's a wide receiver. So I think you put him in that backfield, man. Got something special there. The only thing we haven't seen on Visca Bingo, we believe in two weeks, is the pancake block. Yeah. So we're waiting we're on that. We've had tonight. some blocks, mm-hmm. but we need like the devastating block. Yeah. Do we get it tonight against the Miami Dolphins? Uh, we talk more about this football game. We're really loaded up uh, with this game tonight. It's the biggest thing in Jacksonville. It's the biggest thing in the NFL tonight, which is pretty cool. Jacksonville and the Miami Dolphins right here in the River City. The game will be on Fox 30. We're talking all about it right here on ESPN 690. I can't speak for the other ones, but, you know, with Gardner, I think, you know, like I said, he, he's done a lot of work uh, in the offseason, you know, whether it be, you know, film study, whether it be, you know, thrown with a mask on, uh, you know, out there. I think I think he's done a lot of things to, to keep himself going. Um, you know, I think that, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, maybe the college game and the pro game is closer now than, than maybe what it's been like, you know, in, in the early days. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, I think, uh, I think a lot of terminology, there's a lot of carryover. I know that, you know, going back and looking at the colleges and talking to the college players. That is Doug Marone. You know, every time he brings up college, I can't help but think of it. I want to give it a little bit more time, but he is running this football team, this football program, if you will, like a college team. It feels like. And I don't say that as in a disrespectful way. I know I think players would probably be like, what are you talking about, right? I was offended. Yeah, I know. I knew yeah. you would be. Did um, you kind of perk up a little bit? I did. I was very offended. So I, I 
I don't mean it like that. Mm-hmm. I just think it goes back to some of the roots of his coaching where he was initially a head coach, but also given the nature of this football team. You know, you say it all the time. You've got to adjust to what your football team is, your personality, your experience, your skill set. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he has done that. I, I think he's got 30 guys, I think it is, on the roster that have been that are first, second, or third-year players. Uh, the numbers are even deeper. I think 24 out of the 53 are first or second year players. And that's probably gone up now because the kicker is in for Lambeau and he's a rookie. So you talk about half your roster just getting out of college. Heck, they probably would be seniors in college. Sure. Right? Yeah. Because they all leave early. Mm-hmm. Or most of them. So I, I like, again, I think it's a little too early for that. But given the makeup of the pandemic and given what you had to work with and then to look at this roster, I feel like he's done a little bit of that, uh, and I think time will tell on that story and see if it's effective, uh, but I think so far it's been very effective. Miles Jack, very adamant in, in one of our earlier breaks when he came back in, he was talking about the job Marone has done. I mean, you know, there might be criticisms of the front office over the last few years, right? Uh, from Tom Coughlin to Doug Marone to the entire brass, Shad Khan, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, there is none of that. Uh, there's there's an all-in nature. You know when they did that all-in, right? You, you were part of that? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm uh, all slaying them all-in. Shod at the craps table. Shod maybe should bring this back for this year because yeah. it feels like they are all-in. It feels like they're all on the same page, bought into what Marone's delivering, bought into what they're doing in that locker room. And the more you hear a guy, that's not me talking. That's the players talking and saying that. And they're, they're up front about it. So you don't usually hear players talk about the makeup of the football team as often as we're hearing about this football team. And I think it's guys that saw what went wrong the last couple years, whoever's fault it was, now saying, you know what, this is a heck of a lot more fun. Listen, if the Jacksonville Jaguars go to the Super Bowl and there's an ESPN 30 for 30, there should be a special one on Doug Marone called How Doug Marone Got His Groove Back. Because the first couple of seasons, this team was not ran by Doug Marone, right? Um, it had more of Tom Coughlin's personality on it. And we saw how that all turned out. It was a nightmare. You get rid of Tom Coughlin, and all of a sudden it's Doug Marone's show going into the season. Now, whether Doug Marone truly thought in his heart of hearts that this team was going to be you know, a playoff-bound team, I don't know if I believe that. But I truly believe whether he was going to win this season or lose this season, he was going to do it his way. All right, He was going to have his fingerprint, his influence on this team. So with that being said, from a college perspective, like you said, like yeah, I think it is kind of a college team that like you have so many young guys and you have a coach who's finally kind of, you know, I guess transformed into the guy he always wanted to be because he couldn't do that with Tom Coughlin. So in doing that, I guess he found that, you know what, whether I thought we're going to have a good team or not, we do have a good team right now. And I like what we have. And the most important part is I like the guys that we have in this locker room. Now, maybe he got rid of Leonard Fournette because, you know, they didn't see eye to eye. Maybe he got rid of Ronnie Harrison because they didn't see eye to eye and they just didn't fit the mold. So be it. Right now, those decisions, not so bad, right? I mean, I think they look, they look, they look a pretty good decision. Like Yannick Ngakwe was different because I think that was more business. I think Doug Marone would still love to have Yannick Ngakwe, but it is what it is. So with that being said, you had a guy in Doug Marone who did things his way, who if he was going to go out, he's going to go out his way, and right now his way, for the most part, seems to be working. So it's an intriguing situation where 
I'm not sure if he truly expected to be here right now, but the fact he's doing it his way, it makes it all right. Yeah, you know, we've got uh, some questions in on social media and some thoughts as well. If the Jags win tonight, do they consider using some of their draft capital this year to plug some holes in the defense, or do they just ride out the season? Talked a little bit about this yesterday. Trade deadline will be coming up. But it, let's just say they go win the next two games. Mm-hmm. They're 3-1. and one. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they lose to Houston or beat Houston, lose to Detroit or whatever. They're 4-2 and two at the bye. Uh, and somewhere in there is the, I don't have trade deadline right in front of me, but it's in October. So somewhere in there, they say, hey, you know what? A chance here, man, this division. Houston's not any good. Yeah. Indianapolis doesn't look as good as everybody thinks. You know, Tennessee's going to be tough. Yeah. But let's go beef up the defense. Yeah. I'd say absolutely you'd trade some of that capital, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. Because at the end of the day, you have an extra wild card spot now. And, I mean, it depends what your goals are. I think the goal of this team right now should be going to the playoffs. Absolutely. Should be making some should noise in the playoffs. Division. Exactly. So with that being said, why wouldn't you try to go after some, um, you know, some other guys that can kind of fill those holes a little bit and make you a better team? Uh, Vizca has a better four in fantasy because basically RB2. Cole probably has a higher ceiling. Uh, Tony said Chenault, Chenault or C.D. Lamb for my flex. Whoop. I'd probably say C.D. Lamb. Just scored 40 points last week, and he's over 100 yards. Who the guy was playing this week? Uh, they're playing Seattle, who hasn't stopped anybody in the passing game. Haven't stopped anybody. See, to me, like, C.D. Lamb and Chenault, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like, there's so many reps to go around. There's so many catches to go around. It's like you got to pull the trigger at the right time. Yeah, a couple people think uh, Chris Conley could have a big game tonight, too. We'll answer yeah. this question. I just asked this social media as well here on the show, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Who will have a coming out party tonight? You only get one pick. Which player that nobody knows in the nation? So Minshew's not the answer here. We'll have a coming out party tonight. Does Josh Allen count? It could, it could. Okay. I think Minshew's the only guy Noted. people know. Okay? okay, I'll think about uh, it, though. That's coming up when we come back. Plus, a couple local players play for the Miami Dolphins. We'll hear from their coaches next on ESPN 690.